turn in your Bibles, like I just said, to Proverbs 10, 13. I figure we'll pick back up in, in our study in wisdom. Does anyone remember what it means to be wise? Wisdom is knowing the right thing and doing it. Right? A lot of people know the right thing to do and don't do it. I think that's probably the ultimate part of foolishness. Being a fool is kind of easy. Not knowing what you're doing and not doing it. But knowing the right thing to do and not doing it is the ultimate piece of foolishness, I would say. Which is why I love Proverbs. Do you remember who wrote Proverbs? Solomon wrote most of them, right? There's some other guys in there too. Uh, but Solomon did write most of them. So let's pray. We're going to pick up in chapter 13. Uh, so God, thank you so much for your word and just the call. And uh, God, the ability to spend time with you. That as we read the Bible, we're spending time with you. And so God, we ask that we, you would help us by your spirit to turn our hearts and our minds and our souls towards you now. That we would feed from you and as we have our brownie or a snack uh, god you would feed our spirit with your word as only you can wash us clean we pray minister to those around us to those our friends our family those our neighbors and uh we ask it god in jesus precious name come soon amen so proverbs chapter 10 i'm going to pick it up and just kind of talk about uh, verses i might skip some i might stop at some and spend more time at others but Let's take a look at what God's Word says. So 10.13 says, In the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who is void of understanding. So that's kind of a two-part verse. And that first part says, The lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found. So if you have understanding, if you understand a situation or a matter, out of your mouth is going to be the evidence of that. Wisdom on that subject is going to come out. right? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you'll confess with your mouth right? that Jesus is saved. If you really believe God is who He is, it's going to come out of your mouth. You're going to want to talk to Him. You're going to want to ask Him. And even in practical terms, that makes sense too. You know, at work or when we interview somebody for a position, they might put down a lot of things on their resume about what they know, and how they know. And there were some people you could talk to. And the things that would come out of their mouth. You would know that they had experience. The different programming language. And the different programs we use. And the methods of the internet. It would come out of their mouth. And others you would talk to it. And you would never get a concrete answer. You would never get the sense that this person really understands. What they're talking about. Now not everyone's good at articulating those things. But the same way. If you have understanding in your heart it's going to come out of your mouth at some point. There's no way for you to truly be wise at heart and for wisdom to not come out of your mouth and not come out of your life, right? On the contrary, it's evident, right? If you're foolish in your heart, it's going to be evident in life that you're foolish by your actions, right? Actions speak louder than words, they say, and that's the same thing. So if someone has understanding, their lips, you will find wisdom in and kind of the opposite. For the him who is void of understanding. Void is a good word. I don't know if it's the same word based on the translation without studying it. Um, but in Genesis, when God created the world, he said it was formless and void. 
It was empty. There was nothing there. And God said, let there be light. And things were created in that emptiness. In the same way, for someone who has no understanding, their heart, their mind is, hello, hello, like when we were at the hockey rink today, and that echo, when their mind is empty, when they don't have knowledge, when they don't have wisdom, well, what happens to them? They get spankings, is basically what the Bible says. That they get themselves in trouble because they don't understand. They don't know any better. And that's the same thing in life. If we go through life and we don't understand things, you're going to get in trouble in life. Whether it's you get arrested, whether you get a ticket, whether you just don't know how to spend your money and you end up poor. That's what happens. And so it's good for us to get wisdom, right? Like Solomon said, get wisdom, get understanding. These are the principal things. Because if we have them, it's going to bear fruit in our lives. Goes on, says, wise men store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. So if you're wise, you're going to want to learn more. You're going to want to be wiser. There's no wise person in the world who's truly wise, in my estimation, would ever say, I've learned enough. I know enough. It's good to have a lifestyle of learning. And that's not just book learning, right? But it's learning um, about all sorts of different things. Throughout my life, I'm not saying that I'm wise, but I like to learn. I didn't always like to go to school, but I like to learn about things that interest me. And so one day I would like to learn about drawing the next, and then I would move on to computers and then I would learn on to cars. And then I learned about hockey and these things would interest me. And eventually you get to be at a place in your life when you've learned a lot of things. And I would now want to learn something else. I'd like to go learn how to weld. I'd like to go learn how to do, I don't know, hockey again, because it's been so long and I've forgotten. Right. But this is what happens. So wise men store up knowledge, just like Jake, you might store up your allowance, store up knowledge, right? And the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. So things that foolish people talk about is usually very close to destruction. Uh, it's very close to things that would hurt you. They start to talk about things that, uh, you know, like sometimes when we get out of hand with our humor and it turns into something that's not appropriate for a dinner table or just gets borderline inappropriate, right? We start going to that foolish place we catch ourselves because we're not fools and we say, nope, we should stop here before we get ourselves into trouble. Um, and if you get older and you get married one day, that's a good skill to learn is learn where the things you're saying are going to get you in trouble with your spouse. So cut it off there before you say something you regret, even if it's a joke. Next verse, 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. So a rich man... When you have a lot of money, you don't have to worry about how much you're spending. You've got so much money in the bank, you can never spend it all if you're rich, that rich. So you don't worry about how much something costs. And I think that's why a lot of rich people buy these really overpriced things. And you go, you realize you could have gotten the same thing and spent half the money. Right? But they don't care. It's not a concern for them. And that's the thing is a lot of people in the world don't have a lot of money. And so we worry about every little thing. How much is this? Are we going to make it to payday? How much is that? We shop and we compare. And so when someone is super rich, that becomes their strong city. Like in the old days, you'd be out in the woods, right? And you'd be out a farmer or there'd be bandits around. You would need a strong city to hide in. You would need a place with walls, a place with soldiers, a place that would take a while for someone to break in. 
And that would be your strong city. You'd want to live in the city. That's why people lived in the cities in the old days is because they felt it was safer. And almost it's the reverse these days. <laughs> Living in a city is less safe. But the point is that when someone has that much wealth, it becomes something that they hide in. Something that they look to for their protection. And part of why Jesus says it's hard for a rich person to go to heaven because they have so much that gets in the way that they trust in. They trust in their riches. And we shouldn't because they're fleeting. But when you have all that money, it doesn't matter. what's. Oh, something broke? I'll buy a new one. Oh, I need something? I can buy 10 of them. It doesn't matter. So they hide in that. That's their strong city. But for the poor, their destruction is their being poor. Is their being in poverty. Now, I'm not saying it's sinful to be poor. There's a lot of people who are poor who are following God. There's a lot of people who are rich who are following God. And then there's also the reverse. But for poor people, when you don't have money and something breaks, it's your destruction. Like, I don't have money to fix my teeth, right? So I can't fix my teeth. That's just a decision. I've decided to do other things with my life than spend all that money on my teeth. Uh, and that's a little thing because it's not the end of the world. But someone who has no money and they lose their job, they then lose their house, they then lose their car if they don't own it, they lose all sorts of things. So, man, it's tough to get out of being poor. It's tough to stop being poor because you only have so much money to go around, you don't have extra money to invest to start a business or to save up because you have to spend all your money just to feed yourself or just to pay the bills. So... Uh, you know, don't look down on poor people and don't necessarily respect rich people because they're rich. Uh, it can be good or bad, but know that, man, being poor can be very tough. And it's interesting. A lot of times you'll meet poor people and they'll be the nicest, most generous people in the world. While rich people tend to be very, not always, I'm making a generation, but rich people can be very mean and stingy and not want to give away their money. Um... It's interesting, right? And he who keeps, oh, I'm sorry, verse 16. The labor of the righteous leads to, tends to life and the fruit of the wicked to sin. So you work hard, it's going to benefit your life. You're going to work and you're going to want to work, right? And you're going to want to do better, whether it's a school or whether it's a job or saving your money or walking the neighbor's dog or redoing the kitchen, Right? I try and do the right thing and I want to follow God. And I don't always get it right, but it encourages me to work harder, whether that's in the things of God, right? And to teach us the Bible, teach our friends the Bible, to put the message online. Um, I want to do those things that, that labor leads to. Uh, but wicked, man, when, they, when, they, when someone's wicked, it's obvious because the fruit of their life is always something sinful. Now, each of us is going to sin and fall short but you can look at someone's life and say, hey, is there a lot, of, a lot of sin growing on their life? They have a lot of stickers on their life that look sinful. Well, it's because they're wicked, and, and that's why it's, it's evident, right? You can't, you can't cover that up. He who keeps instruction, verse 17, is in the way of life, and he who refuses reproof errors. So the person who keeps instruction, the person who hears something, who has taught something, learned something, whether it's building a Lego or whether it's obeying God, when you keep those things in life, it shows that you're in going in the right way. It shows that you want to be in the right way. It shows that you want to do the right thing when you keep that way, when you want to do that way. But he who refuses correction is in error. 
that not only are they doing the wrong thing because they don't want to hear a correction in their life. Hey, stop doing that. That's bad. Or, hey, you realize that there's a better way to mow the lawn, right? It shows their heart. That the way we live our life really can reveal our heart. And it shows that you're in error. And man, it's not just it's not just being wrong about something. It's not just factual, right? If you get the math problem wrong, it's two plus two equals four, and you say and you put down five, and the teacher corrects you and says, No, the answer is four, and you go, Oh, yeah, you're right, it is four. And you correct yourself and you move on. You were wrong, but your attitude was to be right. You wanted to understand math. You wanted to get the factual answer, the logical answer, and know how to do this in life. You wanted to be good at math. The person who says five, and when they're corrected, get mad that they're corrected. No, it's got to be five. And they come up with all these other reasons to make the wrong answer right in their mind. Well, it's just proving that they're wrong at heart. Not only did they get the answer wrong, but they want to be wrong. They don't want to be right. They want to stay wrong. And in fact, they want their wrong to now be the right. And unfortunately, in a way, that's the world is the way the world is going. <clears throat> and the you know, the Bible talks about in John about going the right way in life, about being a believer. That a believer may stumble, but a believer is gonna want to stay in fellowship. They're gonna want to be corrected on things. Right? That a wise person and a believer, hey, if they're sinning or they're doing something wrong, and someone comes along and says, Hey, you're doing the wrong thing especially a good friend or a close friend that knows love you, you're going to take it to heart. And you're going to consider it because you want to go the right way. You want to follow God. And maybe you just didn't realize how far off the path you got. Or maybe you didn't realize that what you're doing was wrong. And someone who doesn't really care about the things of God, even though maybe they claim to be a Christian, maybe they don't really know God, when you correct them and say, hey, you're sinning. The Bible says don't say bad words. They'll scoff at it. Why? Because they don't really want to be right. They only want to be so right. Um, and that's important. Because if we say we have fellowship with God, but we practice darkness, then it makes us liars, and we don't want to be that way. He who hides hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. You know, if, if you hate someone in your heart, no matter what you say with your mouth, it's a lie, right? Uh, and there's a lot of people you can tell, like, you can just tell when they're not telling you the truth sometimes. It's because they're hiding it in their heart and you can't hide it. And he who spreads slander is a fool. Slander is something bad said about somebody else that might not even be true. Um, there's different types of slander, slander and libel in the court. Um, you know, we shouldn't be lying. And, and, the, and the core of this is always the heart. Where's your heart? Do you want to go the right way in your heart? Do you want to be right? Do you want to be wise? Do you want to be foolish? Do you want to tell the truth? That the whole thing is God doesn't teach us the Bible that we might be on the outside right, but that we might be right on the inside. Because remember the Pharisees? They looked very right on the outside. They were all the right religious clothes. They had the robes. They had the cool beards. All the people looked at them as they people who had authority these guys knew the bible inside and out and yet what did jesus say about them he said that when they opened their mouth it was like opening a grave that it was death and stench and foulness coming out of their mouth 
because their inside wasn't right. That's the, that's the part that God cares about, your heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 19, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. That second part always reminds me of Pastor Vinny. And I said it on Sunday, and I'll say it again. But I remember we would all sit around and have guys Bible study when we were in our 20s. And Tuesday nights, I think, we would come over to the house and have dinner and hang out. And we'd get into the Bible and we'd take turns uh, reading the Bible a couple verses at a time over and over through a whole chapter. So we'd each read a little bit. Then we'd sit back in the beginning and go through it just like this, but together, where we'd each share with each other. And sometimes we'd get into good debates. I mean, we always have a good debate. And it was always great to hear the things that, that my friends would say and the things that God would speak to them or speak to me about and the way uh, we would just grow together and learn the Bible and sharpen each other. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We'd rub our spiritual swords together, clink, clank together, and we get sharper. Oh, I didn't understand that. Oh, I, I see that now. And we correct each other. And it helped us really in um, staying the right way, right? To stay out of sin because we had our friends together. But I always thought of Vinny because sometimes we get in these debates and he would just sit there. And he, he wasn't not paying attention. He was paying attention intently. At least it looked like it. I don't know. Maybe he was thinking about going to work or something. But it looked like he was paying attention. But when he didn't talk, you kind of go, oh, it's just something about it. The way God says, the way truth works, he just looked wise. We all just assumed he was wise. And he is wise. And sometimes it's better not to say anything, right, than to say something you don't understand. And the reverse of that, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Sometimes when we talk too much, it's good to talk. I, I talk a lot when it comes to the Bible or about subjects I'm passionate about. But other times, I'm, I tend not to talk a lot. And that's not because I'm wise. It's just the way I'm built. But when we talk too much, usually it's to try and cover up sin. Or make up for sin. Or make an excuse either for ourselves or for someone else. And a lot of times the truth is very simple to get out there, to point out, to talk about. Um, another friend, Pastor Caleb, was talking about his grandpa, who was a pastor. And just, he would ask him advice on things, and usually be a very short answer. But it was very to the point. And what a great way to be when you get older, just to have things boiled down to just a few words. And a lot of times if, you know, it's easy to kind of tell if someone's doing something wrong or lying or hiding something, because one of the evidences that you're lying is you start answering questions no one asked. You start talking about things that have uh, no relevance to what you're being questioned on because you're trying to distract, whether you realize it or not. That's the same way, man. The truth is simple. The truth is straightforward. And uh, we don't need to over-elaborate on it. It's good to be concise. The tongue of the just is as choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is worth little. That man, someone who talks, someone who speaks good words, someone who's just, you know, was listening to Pastor Alistair beg the other day, and just this man loves God from what I can tell, and he loves right and wrong. 
And there's just something about the words of this person that, man, they, they say it so much better than I do. Or you listen to a Supreme Court justice like Clarence Thomas or some of the others who really love studying the law and really love getting to the heart of a matter and figure out what's right and wrong. And when they say things, their words are worth a lot. There's a lot of wisdom behind it. There's a lot of knowledge behind it. There's a lot of truth in it. So it says choice silver. But the heart of the wicked is worth very little. That's really easy to be wicked. Anybody and their mother can be wicked. All we have to do to be wicked is just do what we want all the time. Ignore right and wrong. Pursue what our flesh wants. It's not worth much. There's no, there's no good in that for you or me. It might be easy. You might like to hear it and like to do it. But it doesn't give you any value. You know, it says that the person who gets to heaven, but they haven't been very obedient, right? They love God, maybe. They love God because that's how they got there, right? But they haven't been very obedient. They haven't given up a lot of their ways and their flesh. And we get to heaven, they don't have much. There's not much worth and value there, right? They're going to be in heaven. They're going to be full as much as they can in heaven. But they don't have much reward. There wasn't much value in their being wickedness. But in being righteous and pursuing it, there's a great reward there. It says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. The lips of righteous feed many. You listen to a righteous person? You get fed by it, whether it's in the Bible or just someone who's smart at a subject that you want to learn about. And also that, I think too, that when God gives us a gift, we're going to want to feed many people. Whether they listen or not, it's a different story. Whether God gives us an audience of 10,000 or of 10, I don't know that's, that, that's the difference, but the fact that, man, when we want to feed, we want to feed people what we've been fed. We want to feed people God's word. So the things that come out of our mouth, if we love God, we're going to want it to be godly. We're going to want to bring up the Bible. We're going to want to talk about things that have eternal impact. It says fools die for a lack of wisdom. That, that guy, you know, kind of a silly example, but you might go hungry if you never learned how to make yourself a sandwich. The fridge could be full of food, but if you were so foolish as to not get up and make yourself a sandwich... You know, I, I, I was a lot skinnier before I got married to mommy. And that's not her fault, but I was just, I don't want to get up and make something right now. So I wouldn't get up and make it. But she makes these wonderful meals three times a day. So I eat way better than I ever used to eat. But fools die for lack of wisdom. There's a lot of times people in life don't get somewhere or fail or don't have what they want because they don't have the wisdom and they haven't pursued it. And so it's just because they've been foolish. 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. That's huge. When God blesses us in life, when he gives us things, whether it's possessions, whether it's money, whether it's influence, whether it's wisdom, whether it's people and relationships, whether it's his gifts to us, it makes us really rich. The fact that I've got all you kids and another one on the way, makes me so happy. Yes, it costs me more money to have five kids than it does to have two. I wouldn't have, you know, but you know what? I, that doesn't even cross my mind, really. 
because you guys are so valuable to me. It's such a blessing to me to have you that I'll do what I can to meet your needs. And I can't always do that, but it's a blessing. I'm rich. I'm richer than someone who doesn't want kids because whatever they want. And I know that because the Lord gave it to me. He has no sorrow with it. The Bible says in Timothy that many people have left the faith and gone after riches. And I think I've shared this with you before. When people go after riches and just want to be rich with everything they have, they end up making choices that pierce themselves through, like it says, like with arrows. Like you pierced yourself with many sorrows. You sacrificed the friendship. You didn't get married. You didn't have kids. You had kids, but you never spent time with them because you were working all the time. You lost your marriage because you were at work late or you only cared about money and you didn't care about them. And you're full of sorrows going after it. You might have all the money in the world, but you've got all these wounds in your life. You've got all these scars in your life. You've got all these pains and regrets. And Mommy and I are watching that show. And in it, one of the characters wins the lottery where they go out and they play numbers and they bet and they won all this money. But when they won all the money, people around them started getting hurt. Things started things going bad. And that happens to a lot of people who do win the lottery, right? They get all these riches, but all of a sudden all these bad things happen, not because the money's cursed or something, but because it starts to reveal bad in them and bad in others and brings it out of the woodwork. And when we get things in life, there's times in my life I'll get what I want. That's my flesh, and maybe the Lord told me I shouldn't have it. And I add sorrow with it. Uh, it's called buyer's remorse. I bought this thing. It was so expensive. I wanted it for so long, and I finally got it. But now i got to make the payments. Or, ah, uh, I spent all that money, and this thing really, I'm not really happy with it. And I can't return it, and I really wish I had just bought something simpler. But when God gives us things, it, it never weighs us down like that. And that's a good way to tell whether it's from God or not. Is it a blessing or not in your life? To do mischief is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. That Man, I remember being a kid, and we would one-up each other and what we could do wrong or uh, pranks we would do, right? It becomes like a sport. I'm going to get really good at doing mischief, and I'm going to play it and it's you know like people would sit down and do video games you'd want to go out and commit mischief and get and try not get in trouble and it's like a sport but a man of understanding has wisdom again this idea of understanding and wisdom if you really if you really are smart you're going to want to be wise the fear of the wicked will come upon him but the desire of the righteous will be granted there's so many times it's called a self-fulfilling prophecy you're so fearful about something you almost make it come to pass because you're Oh, you're so wicked. Uh, and that's the way the world is today. They, they're so wicked, they, they're so afraid, they don't realize it, they begin to put it on their enemies. They say that their enemies are stealing stuff when they're really stealing. They say their enemies are liars when they're really lying. And it comes upon them. They end up losing everything they want because they're afraid of it, right? The harder you hang on to something, the more likely it is to slip through your fingers. As the whirlwind passes, as a tornado passes... So the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. That Thankfully, I've never really been around too many tornadoes other than the Northeast. But a tornado comes through and it's loud and it causes lots of destruction, even can kill people. 
but it passes in a few minutes and it's over. That's the same thing with the wicked. A wicked ruler comes in, passes through. You know, even a guy as awful as Hitler, huge, huge whirlwind of history. But he was only around for a handful of years and then he's gone. But a righteous has an everlasting foundation, that man. When you do good things and right things, the things you've built will last a long time and takes a lot of effort to pull them down. Like they say, you can tell how well something was built by when you try and take it apart and how hard it is to take apart. And the Bible, you guys know this one, but the wise man built his house upon a rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. That's right, because the sand washes away. Sand looked great, it was beautiful, it went up quick. But man, hiking up to that mountain and building on that rock, that was hard, but it lasted. And our foundation is what? Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone, right? That, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That we build our lives on him, we will get broken. But if we don't, we'll be crushed. We'll be pulverized. So we want to build our life on him because he's immovable. He's the rock. And we build our lives on him, it's not going to get blown over. As vinegar to the teeth, it is smoke to the eyes. So is a slugger to those who send him. Sometimes you ever eat like cin- uh, cinnamon, salt and vinegar chips. And like, they're so good, right? But you eat too many too fast. Your tongue gets all raw. Or if you're, you know, we've been eating a lot of chocolate lately. I'm starting to feel it in my teeth because we've been eating so much chocolate. Right? So... Just like that, and just like when mommy is cooking and the smoke doesn't get evacuated out here and it gets all smoky out here or she's making something with the onions and you come in here and it hits your eyes like, ah, ugh, <clears throat> and you have to open a window. It's not mommy's fault. It's that there's no real exhaust fan. But so is the lazy person to those who send them. If you ask a lazy person to do something, if I ask you to do something and you're lazy about it, you don't do it. It hasn't been done. The time's passing. i got to ask you again. I'm aware of it constantly going on, which doesn't really happen a lot with you guys. It's the same way. Like, oh, my tooth or oh, my eyes sting in my eyes. i got to go do this now. The same way. You try and trust someone who's lazy or not trustworthy. Oh, it stings. It's, oh, it's no good. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened, right? Now, You could die young and be a believer. You can die old and be wicked. But the point is that when you honor God, when you fear him, he's going to keep you out of a lot of trouble you might have gotten in otherwise. He's going to keep you from uh, getting in a dangerous situation that you shouldn't have gotten into. But a wicked person is going to run headlong into those things and end up getting shot or dying in a car wreck or not wearing their seatbelt or do something else that's not wise. And their days will be short. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. That Everybody has hopes. Wicked people have hopes. Good people have hopes. But when you're good, when you're righteous in God, and you have hope, you have hope in Him, it's always joy. Life could be hard, like our pop-pop dying, but we have hope and trust that He's in heaven. So as hard as it is, we still have joy in that. But a wicked person has expectation. They expect that if they work hard, they do this, they're going to get somewhere. But at the end of the day, it's going to rot. It's going to be taxed. It's going to be stolen. They're going to lose it. 
someone will sue them and take it away, or at the very least, they might get hurt and not be able to enjoy it anymore. And it's going to perish. Even if they expect the end of their days, I've worked hard, I was a good person. They didn't have Jesus. Everything they work for is going to perish, and their expectation goes with it. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. That man, when we walk in the ways of God, it gives us strength. Even if it's hard, if we're spending time with Him, He gives us strength. To do the right thing strengthens you in the inward man. Like the Bible says, I pray that your inward person would be strengthened. You know, the Bible also says that the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. It stinks. It smells to them your righteousness. Ew, you stink of righteousness and I hate it. Why? Because I'm going to hell myself. But to a person who's going to heaven with you, they'll smell it and be like, oh, your life is such a refreshment. Or someone who wants to go to heaven, your life is so refreshing. But destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Know that people who are evil and do bad things may get away with it in this life. They may be rich. They may be king. They may never go to court or go to trial or face judgment for it until they die. But know that their destruction is coming. And that will give you hope. That will give you strength to go through life sometimes when the wicked are prospering. And A couple more verses and we'll be done. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. You know, when Jesus comes back, the righteous, they're going to have a place with him in his kingdom. But the wicked, they're done for. They're gone. The mouth of the just brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. Ooh. Again, this idea that if you're just in your heart, you love right and wrong, you want to see justice carried out, meaning the evil punished and good rewarded, wisdom is going to come out of your mouth. It's going to be evident. Again, this whole tie to your heart, to your mouth, to what you believe, to what you think, to what's inside you is going to come out of your mouth at some point. You can try and cover it up for a while, but eventually it'll be evident. You know, there's only so many breath mints you can eat to cover up stinky breath. If you don't brush your teeth, eventually no amount of Tic Tacs will stop it. It says the perverse tongue will be cut out. You know, in some religions, you steal, they cut off your hand. Right? The perverse tongue will be cut out. Know that there will be a day when that perverse tongue will have no more influence. We'll have no more news channel. We'll have no more press conference and be able to lie and cheat and deceive people. Satan's tongue will be done with and he won't be able to talk anymore when he's cast into hell. Amen. In verse 32 where we close, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaks what is perverse. That, and again, if you're righteous, you know, you know what's a good word to say. You know that even though it's a bad word, you're not going to say it. Sometimes you may slip up, right? It all happens. But you know good from bad, and you want to speak good. You don't want to speak bad. And when you do speak bad, it makes you feel gross, and you don't want anything to do with it. But the mouth of the wicked speaks what is perverse. There's people out there, myself included before the Lord, where everything I would talk about was, was dirty, was perverse, was twisted, was bad words was just not right and just weird. And that's kind of how you can tell. You're around someone, they start talking weird. Once in a while, you get it, right? But if that's their whole life, they're always going to be making bad jokes. They're always going to be saying bad things that they're wicked. And you probably don't want to don't listen to them for too long. 
And with that, I don't want to make you listen to me for too long, or many words are. Sin is not lacking, right? So let's seek wisdom, let's seek truth and justice, and prove ourselves wise by how, what we let into our hearts and minds and what comes out of our mouth. Amen? Amen. So God bless our, our words, bless our night. God, may you forgive our sin where we have fallen short and help us to be that light in this dark and perverse world and generation, as your word says. And let your word come out of us. Let us minister to others as you do. Let your spirit uh, guide us and speak through us that the truth would bring many to salvation and set many free. Bless us tonight. Give us good rest. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until.